Start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction fantasy and science fact in all their forms. I am your host, Gene Turnbow. And I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us is one of the... One of the voices we hear every dang day. You are you are gonna love this one. <laughs> this we've got Adam McArthur. Hello, <laughs> welcome to the show. He is currently uh, the voice of Yuji Itadori on mm-hmm. the hit anime series Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, mm-hmm. the the English version of it, uh, which yep. is now streaming on HBO Max and Crunchyroll. But they've only dubbed like 19 out of 24 episodes for waiting I know I know I'm sorry they're weekly released weekly released every Friday um, so we still have you know we still get to have our weekly release of episodes I think through mid-May so yeah I think we're on like you said I think we just finished episode 19 last week so mm-hmm. we're we're winding down. Season one is only twenty-four episodes, so we've only got five weeks left. Okay, I was afraid that they don't they they stiffed you for five episodes. They're going, uh, you know, I just this pile of them. What? Yeah. What? Do I have to watch the rest of them in in like? I mean, I don't have any any attachment to whether you know sub versus dub, but I'd rather hear your work. Yeah, well, ride. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, I mean, I will say the sub is fantastic. I mean the the I think you know you can never really beat the source material um for stuff but it's just I'm having so much fun doing this character and and bringing him to uh uh you know the fans who appreciate a good dub or you know want to watch uh in English I'm I'm having so much fun with it Well I I watched the first, we watched the first episode of it and uh and got hooked yeah, it's now we awesome. have to watch the whole thing. <laughs> awesome. It's really good. It. Look, before like I know that sounds like okay, he's biased, he's on it, but <laughs> um the well, sub was released it. before we even started dubbing it. So, I was able to watch a few episodes before I even knew I had an audition for the part and I was hooked immediately. And I'm I'm a little bit of a hard sell on on some stuff. I like very specific genre types of anime and um yeah, I was hooked right away. It's got it's got everything. It's got comedy, it's got the supernatural element, it's got some horror in a way, it's got some like amazing fight scenes, and then the the animation studio Mappa, um, who is doing all the animation, is just like 
they're sparing no expense. They are literally just doing an incredible job. You sure I, see every nickel of it up on the screen. My gosh. And I like how they, uh, you know, I like how they're sort of poking fun at their own genre, you know. Uh, yeah. It's not. Yes. It's not. They're they're not taking they're not taking themselves so seriously that you go, oh my god, I'm groaning under the weight of the gravitas. Uh, right. You know, you have you have very serious, scary looking characters that turn out to be like <laughs> comedy relief. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's you know, cool because like there that. there really is something for everyone in it too. Like a lot of the characters are you can hate them and love them, but you you're like this, this is everything. Like they <laughs> and they spend so much time on each character. You get more backstory and history and all that stuff and it just it uh they do just such a good job of making this show have something for everybody is the high school track coach a recurring character <laughs> he's like not he's at not? least in season one oh, once okay. we see him he's uh, he's one and done in that episode but that's oh, okay. <laughs> hilarious that's I know, i'm actually, sure i had him in school once oh my god <laughs> that's so funny yeah actually in episode one um, I think it was one. Yeah, one. Uh, my two friends that um, I'm in the occult club with. I was sure that I would see them again, but nope. That they were. <laughs> I was friends with them for but a brief moment, and oh. uh, that's it. <laughs> they got left in the dust. Well, you had other things to do at that point. I mean, a famous writer once said, you know. The way to make a great story is you fi- figure out what's the worst thing you can do to this character and then do it. And oh yeah, that, they did that right out of the gate with you, Yuchi. Yeah, you did. Yeah, your character immediately swallows the finger of an evil demon. And, yeah, uh, no, because why not? And grows extra eyeballs. And yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, because, I mean, why not? I mean, if we're going to go there, we might as well go all the way. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how you guys felt, um, but when I first watched the show, the pacing is something that was pretty unique to me also. It it feels like it's zero to 60 right out of the gate, and it just doesn't slow down. There is not an episode so far – um, in all of season one where I'm like, okay, this is a filler or they were really taking their time off on the on the plot or progressing the story. Everything just feels so fast and like like it just – the stakes keep getting higher. I have to assume that there's going to be a second season and a third and maybe a fourth. Well, we don't have, I mean that. do you have any – any I mean, as an actor, I can only have that same hope with you. <laughs> yeah, he's um, the last one they'll tell. Honestly. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm the least important person uh, in you know the whole grand scheme of things. Uh, I will say though, they did announce a movie. Um, I'm not sure of the release date or anything like that, but they're going to be doing, I believe, the Jujutsu Kaisen prequel. Uh-huh. Um, kind of leading up to where season one started, which is very exciting. Yuji's not in that, um, mm-hmm. but that's okay. I'm very excited for them to just keep expanding the world for the fans and bring more of the manga to life because the manga is just – it's so good. It is so good. I mean apparently in Japan, the characters are plastered all over the subways, and um, it's incredibly popular over there right now. So you know, I can only imagine that that's just going to continue to – make its way over here as we get more and more content and and see more and more stuff mm-hmm. uh, from the author. 
This is not your first rodeo either. You have been a very <laughs> busy man. <laughs> I have, yes. Marco Diaz, Star versus the Forces of Evil. And of course, oh, we've yeah. got a 20 something in the house, so of course, we watch that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh yeah, Marco Diaz, you know, safe kid, uh, wannabe bad boy. But, you know, Nacho Lover, yeah, Marco, <laughs> my whole experience on Star vs. the Forces of Evil was – it was incredible. Uh, that show was – it was just such a unicorn experience. Everything about it from the recording sessions to my castmates to um, my experience like, you know, doing a show on Disney. It was just so cool. It was so, so much fun. So do they pull pull you as pull you out as the announcer guy after that or before or during or? Oh yeah, so um, actually yeah, during Star versus the Forces of Evil, um, we were doing some marketing for the show, and I got to spend some time with the marketing department. Uh, all incredibly sweet people. Let me just tell you, behind the scenes at Disney TV Animation, there is nothing but incredible people. Um, the casting department is amazing. They're all so sweet, so kind, and insanely good at what they do. Um, the marketing department, the same – I could say the same thing. I could literally go on and on about these people. Um, I am forever grateful for all the things I got to do with them, like each you know, of the different uh, departments and production and all that stuff uh, because everyone was just so incredibly sweet. So yeah, we were doing – actually, we were doing these this really cool um, – uh, promotion for star versus the forces of evil where um adobe had created a program called character animator and it was made sort of for mm -hmm. disney uh, in its beta stages i did and, not know that wow yeah yeah so what so what it allowed uh, us to do was they basically could import um pieces of marco diaz and assign like you know uh pup puppetry movements to him so what it did was i sat in front of a computer um the camera the webcam on the computer watched my face and as i spoke marco on screen and it like moved his mouth and everything so it was almost like i am controlling like a puppet uh motion capture but an animated character it was the first of its kind wow and so yeah so fascinating and so we did these live chats as marco um, we did them on YouTube Live and stuff like that. But during that whole experience, you know, they like all, everyone in marketing was sort of learning how to do it as we did it, and um, I was in like this whole new kind of cool thing where we were all it was sort of experimental, but a lot of fun, and it, they turned out really good. Um, so during that time, I got to spend a lot of time with the marketing team, and at one point, I just uh, I forget how it came up. I can't remember if they reached out to my agent or if they had asked me, but basically they were searching for a new voice for Disney XD. Um, and the voice of a channel, as you guys probably know, or, and if you don't and you're listening to this, the voice of the channel was just sort of the voice you always hear when you watch a certain channel that sort of tells you what's coming up next. So I'm the guy. They wanted like an older brother <laughs> sound. Okay. So uh -huh. they uh, they picked me to be the voice of Disney XD. Yeah. So kind of came around and during uh, the star time, yes. They are working on a second season of Owl House right now. Are do you do you have any lines in on that or are um no, have... I mean Dana the creator is uh incredibly talented. Um I have uh met her several times. She's she's awesome. The show is really good. 
Um, Amphibia is another one that's really fantastic right mm-hmm. now on Disney. Um, Big City Greens, uh, which I actually did get to do a guest role on. Um, Big City Greens is another amazing show. Disney's really kind of knocking it out of the park. They've got they really stuff, are. Yeah, they've got some cool stuff coming out. Um, the Ghost and Molly McGee is coming. Um, oh, what's the other one? Um, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, the the Marvel yes, Disney yes. sort of crossover. Uh, it's gonna be cool too. So yeah, no lines in as far as like um no planned upcoming appearances on Owl House, but you never know. I mean, I get I have definitely auditioned for it, and you know, well, we'll keep our at, fingers at crossed. I, yeah, I guessed I guessed one. <laughs> you did guess one. You're awesome. Doing yeah. well. And you were also... He was in um, Star Wars The Clone Wars as uh-huh. another kid brother kind of part. <laughs> Prince okay, Lee squid. Yeah, of Mon Calamari. Yes. Squid Boy. Yes. <laughs> exactly, yes. You yeah, were, Prince you were... Lee Char, the Prince of Mon Cala, who, you know, by the end of the episode, or by the end of his uh, three-episode arc, you know, kind of rises up and mm-hmm. takes his rightful place as king, the king of Mon Cala. Wow. But it's kind of, you know, Marco under the sea at first because he's just, you know, somebody that far under the surface being in over his head, you know? <laughs> totally. Yes, totally. Yeah. Uh, fish out of water, no pun intended. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This is... <laughs> this is... See, he's, yeah, the only, he's, the, sorry, well... he's the white boy in the LeBrons. <laughs> <laughs> the only boy, oh. the only male character in it. I guess the girls were not played by LeBron James either. But <laughs> actually, what, what's funny about the LeBrons is uh, almost uh, they. I, I'm pretty sure LeBron was so busy at the time that I, I think he only voiced himself in the first episode, and then all the other variations of LeBron, um, Biz, and uh, the different, mm-hmm. yeah, Wise. I think who was the older LeBron. Um, were all voiced by different people. Were they really? That's yes, not what the publicity by, said. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the guy who voiced LeBron, his name is Dempsey Papillon. Um, he is a, a buddy of mine. He's a talented voice actor, um, talented actor, uh, incredible martial artist. He's a great, great dude. He, uh, yeah, he knocked it out of the park. I'm pretty sure uh, voice matching LeBron James throughout the entirety of that show. Wow. That's a talent. Um, there's some other really big, like, voice actors that I look up to um, that were on that show as well, uh, which was really cool. So, so what's next? What's on the horizon? Man, well, um, let's see. Gosh, the problem with voiceover <laughs> it makes it it makes it so not fun because I love telling people everything. Um, <laughs> but the problem with VO is you have to sign these pesky things called NDAs where you can't talk about right. a lot of what you're doing. Non-disclosure um, it, agreements, guys. Lord yes. love them. And it, and it's only when it's just about to release that you're allowed to talk about it at all. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes, I mean, there's a couple of things that I actually have worked on recently um, towards the end of last year. I have no idea what they are. Um, they're <laughs> in the video game space, but they uh-huh. don't tell you. So <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, uh, I'll know when you guys know. Again, like we said earlier, uh-huh. I'm kind of always the last one to know. But I do have some uh, – what else is coming? Um, there's uh, – I've been doing a lot of live action dubbing, oddly enough. Netflix is – Live uh, dubs a lot of live action properties uh, from other countries to bring over here just to add content. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, 
yeah, really popular shows from other countries, like things that have done really well in other places they like to bring over. Um, and there's some really fantastic ones um, that have come out. Uh, well, well received here as well. Monarca is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, there's one. I, I'm finishing up uh, as the main character on one of them this week, actually. So hopefully we'll see it in the next maybe month or so. And then uh, I like a that better. Anime. I tend to like that better than like an American remake of the hit series from Spain or whatever. Because oh, for ugh, sure, those are the, because they, we, they they tend to lose whatever made them sparkle. You know? Yeah, we, yeah. I I agree. It's kind of like just, a copy machine. The the copy is never going to be quite as good. Uh-huh. You know? There's exceptions, of course, but mm. of course, that's a different kind of voiceover work entirely. Uh, from the uh, voiceover work that you do for animation, isn't it? It's it's a very very different kind of uh, work trying to do lip sync on footage that's already been shot. It is, it is, yeah. It's even. I mean, you know, we have to sort of do that with Jujutsu Kaisen um, when we're dubbing that. Obviously, yeah. it's already animated. Um, Star was interesting because we would record. I would record to a script. Then my vocals were sent off with the storyboards to be animated. So I had a lot more freedom when I was doing Star. Um, and even when I've done other shows like Big City Greens and, um, all, like the LeBrons even, um. Well, that's normal. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, been normal yeah. all along. It's a much more normal process. But with Jujutsu Kaisen and, uh, yeah, the live action dubs are even more specific. Even more specific, they try and match those those lip flaps mm-hmm. um, as closely as possible, and it gets hard. It gets hard when <laughs> when they have to start chopping up sentences, or you know, for whatever reason, they need to get a specific line mm-hmm. out, but the cadence is weird because the you know the original language has a bunch of pauses or something like that. So yeah, the thing about dubbing that makes it difficult, and this goes for live action or anime, is so many things have to be firing on all cylinders in order for it to be good, in order for it to be believable. Um, you have to – like not only does the acting have to be on point, the writing has to be on point, the voice direction. Um, I feel like I've never relied more heavily on a voice director than when I'm dubbing. Oh, yeah. that's It's really hard because you've got so much to think about. Yeah. You know, you've got the lines, the presentation, the timing, the phrasing in English versus the phrasing uh, of the the language that you're you're overdubbing, which is yeah. always different. And the 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 um the audience of the original is going to have a different expectation of timing. I mean, this is something that that we don't think about a lot. Right. You know, but uh, different cultures see film differently. They have a yeah. different expectation as to pacing than we do. Almost <laughs> Absol- in absolutely. Almost in yeah, it's why, you know, the whole the whole conversation about sub versus dub. For me, I don't I don't really care. Like I want people to just like what they like and watch what they watch and have fun. <laughs> Enjoy mm-hmm. it. It doesn't have to be, you know, a comparison. And I actually think if you if you are comparing the two it sort of takes some of the joy out of whatever you're watching because they're not really comparable. It's it's hard to – like you said, especially even like like for Jujutsu Kaisen, for example, like the Japanese language has a very specific sound and some of the, some of the words are pronounced harder and stuff like that. And that has an inherent – the inherent sound allows for 
certain emotions to be almost more effective when you're saying uh-huh. them. Um, not all of them, and it could work in the reverse way also, but it's just, uh, yeah, so many things go into dubbing something. And I never really, I mean, even though I've been dubbing stuff for a long time, not anime, but other live action projects and other, um, animated series and stuff. Um, it's just not something that really dawned on me until throughout 2020. I have been doing so much of it <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just seeing, I'm seeing more, you know. Have you ever done, uh, have you ever dubbed something in a language you do not speak? Like, um, you mean where I was the one speaking? Where you the were language the one speaking speak? the language that was not English. I think that there's um, enough people who speak almost any language that. Well, well yeah, yeah, but but, but uh, you know sometimes. Think so. I think like, I think the only one I can think of offhand is Vin Diesel, who who did I am Groot in every language on earth. I think. For, uh, <laughs> yeah, they had it. They had oh, it. Really? Yeah, but that's one line. <laughs> yeah, he, he had to learn how to say cool. I, I am Groot that. in like eighty languages. <laughs> that's really that's really funny. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's been. I mean, it obviously wouldn't have been like a whole show or something like that. But I'm trying to think if there was like a line here or there where, where they, it was like where oh, they needed you to do this a in, drop in or something. Yeah, but I don't. They didn't like the so. original. I don't think. So. Yeah. yeah, I've done like a couple of things in Spanish, but I <clears throat> I was like almost fluent in Spanish at one at one point. Um, I can still speak somewhat conversationally in Spanish, um, but I don't. I don't really like count that as part of my VO repertoire because uh-huh. there are so many people who speak it much, much better than I do. Um, but you know, I have an awareness at least of of Spanish. Yeah, yo quiero nachos. <laughs> that's, that's all you need. Don't, <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> So, um, your voiceover career goes back, well, let's see, Star Voices, Star versus the Forces of Evil, uh, was 2005. Oh, make wasn't me, it? Make me pull this up. Okay, here you go. Uh, it wasn't, no, it was, let's see, I, I booked the job in 2013. Uh, 2013. Um, it, okay, 2013. And it aired in, uh, January of 2015, I believe. 2015, okay. I, yeah, I got a, I dropped a zero there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so but you were you were doing uh, Star Wars and Puss in Boots. That's funny. He was a he was a pig. He was a ninja pig. A ninja pig. (laughs) Oh yeah, not a ninja turtle, but a pig. Yeah, I was that. uh, Oddly enough, though, um, in that in that that episode of Puss in Boots, I was or a couple episodes, I was a ninja pig named Chad, and I had four brothers, and everyone else who voiced. One of the other ninja pigs had previously been the voice of a ninja turtle. <laughs> That's so Mikey awesome. Kelly, Robbie <laughs> Rist, uh, Greg Stipes. Yeah. So, which look, ninja, being the voice of one of the ninja turtles is a dream of mine. Um, so I liked I I, I like the fact that they all had uh, been ninja turtles previously. I I like to think that that bodes well for uh, the potential of me voicing one of them in the future. <laughs> sure. sure. Yeah, well, they keep, they keep redoing it. So, you know, it could yeah. certainly happen I mean, sooner or later. It's one of those properties long that enough. just, yeah, yeah, totally. Scooby-Doo spooky camp stories. <laughs> oh gosh, we're just going down the IMDb. <laughs> wait, wait, I am absolutely I'm going down the IMDb list going, oh, that's the earliest date I can find you. Yikes. Oh, oh yeah. I think there's something on there from, 
What's like the 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 very first thing way down there? I think Rolling it was uh, a well, kids WB show I did. There's like, Young Jake, Water Under the Bridge. Oh no, Phantom Investigators. Phantom Investigators. I don't when even remember that? that. 2002, three episodes. I yeah, have no memory like, of this uh, show, to be honest. <laughs> I honestly don't remember. <laughs> don't remember it either. Mm. I was in a theme park, and there were ghosts. I think. Okay. And, uh, as, yeah. Like you do. Good, good times. <laughs> good times. So you've been doing this a while now. So where did you begin? What was your beginning point where you suddenly found yourself doing voiceover work? Or acting at yes. all. Or acting at all. Yeah, so, um, gosh, let's see. I mean, when I was, I, I have literally always wanted to be an actor. I mean, since the early days of watching Ninja Turtles and Thundercats and, um, show, even shows like Power Rangers, cause I'm also a martial artist, so like shows like Power Rangers and Home Alone and Three Ninjas, all these movies were like, I, I loved these movies and I was like, I want to do that. I want to be on, you know, I want to be able to do these movies. Um, so I begged my parents and then finally when I was 16, I got put in an acting class. Um, and I, let's see how, what grade was I in during that? I was a, I think I was a sophomore or a junior in high school and I got put into an acting class and also decided to join theater my junior year of high school. So along with theater came improv and that's sort of all when it, when it all started, uh, my junior year of high school. And then really shortly after I started classes in, um, when I was 16, I got an opportunity from my acting teacher for, um, some Macy's radio commercial auditions. They mm. needed a voice of a young teen, uh, for all their back to school special <laughs> commercials. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up booking that. It turned out to be like 36, 38 radio commercials for Macy's, something like that, over the course of two years. Good heavens. Um, yeah, it was it was really fantastic. And then that turned into other things. Um, I grew up in Northern California, so in like the San Francisco area. So all my auditions were in San Francisco. So they, uh, back then, a lot of stuff like um, industrials got shot. So I did a mm -hmm. lot of industrials. Um which are basically like, you know, videos for, for a company to show within the company. Um, I booked some commercials when I was up there. I ended up booking a movie with some really fantastic actors, um, from LA who were shooting up there. And then, gosh, this took me all the way until this was like 1998 to 2003. So those five uh -huh. years I was acting up there in San Francisco. And then I transferred uh, from a junior college up there down to Pepperdine, which is down here in Southern California. Uh-huh. Right uh, out there to, on the beach. To, yes. Yep. To finish up uh, my last two years of college. And as soon as I moved down here, I reached out to some connections that I had made while I was up in the Bay Area and got my first voiceover agent. And then um, – I didn't have that much success uh, with voiceover down here in L.A. at first. Um, it really took a long time for me to kind of get my footing. Um, I found a lot of success right away with commercials, on-camera commercials. So I was in a ton of commercials when I first moved to L.A. Um, everything from like AT&T, which was then Singular Wireless, to Nintendo, to Sprite, Six Flags. Like, I don't know, I could go, Dentine Ice was another f fun one, State Farm. So I used to do all these commercials, 
Um, and that sort of kept me afloat. I was helped me make a living as an actor. Mm-hmm. And then um, I sort of bumped around, moved around from agency to agency for voiceover. And it wasn't until about 2010, 9 or 10, uh, when I signed with my current agency, which is CESD Talent. And that changed my life forever. That changed the trajectory of my voiceover career forever. They are just fantastic. They are fantastic. Wow. They're also really wonderful people. Um, I adore all of my agents. Um, I've never, you know, agents are such a weird thing as somebody moving to the city and wanting to pursue acting. I think there's this sort of like stigma of the way they're, they're shown on TV even and the way they're perceived. Um, and I always felt a little like, like I was begging, uh, before them, like I was begging them, like begging an agent to like give me opportunities. Um, and it wasn't until I matured a little bit and I also saw a different side of that. Um, and I was able to work with, um, agents and an agency that really just like support their clients. They're there for you. They want you to do good. Um, I've never felt like so um, cared about <laughs> in a, in a business setting and relationship. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think a month after I signed with CESD, I booked um, a Disney pilot, and then from there booked Clone Wars, and it was sort of an avalanche after that. It sounds to me as though you didn't really have a beginning. You've just—it's always been in your blood. It's always been there. From the very, very beginning for you. just had to I mean, find I mean, the right group to uh, place it you. It wasn't mm-hmm. something you just decided to do. It's something that you've always been. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. It's It, it was like that for me with acting as well as martial arts. That, that was another thing that I just always – I really just always wanted to do it. And I'm kind of stubborn. <laughs> I'm kind of stubborn. And, uh, and actually, you know, probably because I've always had – really good mentors mm-hmm. and people who cared for me and, and looked out for me. And uh, my martial arts teacher specifically, um, he always said to me, someone has to do this stuff, so it might as well be you. Um, and there's no reason that you can't do it. And I, I just – those words stuck with me. And even when times were tough or you know, 2008, 2009, that, around that time, like the world right. economy or like the U- United States economy was in a bad spot. It was like – you know, just a weird time. Commercials stopped getting made. My my career was like, you know, as as much belief as I have in myself. There's still moments of doubt. Sure. Um, and during that time was a kind of a heavier period, I think. Um, but I just never let go of that belief, and, and I was like, you know, I've always wanted to do this. I got to hang on to that because right right about then was when things just broke open for you. Just yeah. hanging yeah. in Very until true. until you got where you were going. I, I always tell people, people always ask me like, oh, what's some of your advice? I'm like, look, if you want to pursue this career, you have to just be willing to like dig your feet into the ground and just stay there. Practice your craft, take some acting classes, get better at what you're doing. And if you're around long enough, eventually someone will be like, oh, hey, that guy's still here. Hey, come here. <laughs> I have a job for you. And if you can wait, then, you know, you'll work. 
that's what I believe. It's all it's sort of all about perseverance. Well, and it's it's also about um, growing as an artist, you know. And a yeah. lot of people who come to Hollywood hoping for a break don't really understand that. They 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 think, oh, well, just as I am, and it's and that's it. And they have no interest in becoming a better whatever it is they are. Right. And that obviously right. does that that problem does not apply to you. Or you wouldn't. Mm, we be know too many are. of. Don't you know who I am? No, nobody else does either. Go away. Kid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I always say it's okay if you don't know who I am. <laughs> I'm still learning too. <laughs> well, and you're. Uh, it's hard not to watch Star versus the Forces of Evil, and watch Marco's uh, Marco Diaz's transformation as he goes through the episodes and the way you. Um, the way you got him from the beginning of the four seasons to the end, yeah, uh, that was something. I mean, this is this is not just reading lines into a mic. This is acting, and this is yeah. attention to the development of the character. And so Thanks. much of that was on your shoulders. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, the beauty of animation is it is such a collaborative process, um, and. I had a lot of talks with Darren, Darren Nepsey, who's the creator. She um, had a really specific vision and viewpoint for Marco. And, you know, he's like – what I loved about him too was – you're right. He did have this incredible journey over the four seasons. But I really liked that he was just a good boy. He, he was a good kid and he sort of challenged – uh, in like the larger scale of like animation and typical characters you see, like he isn't the typical male character that you see in a lot of cartoons. You know, he didn't have to be like rough and tumble or like mean or um, like ornery or anything like that. He just like genuinely wanted <laughs> to take care of his friends and people to be safe and like everything to be okay. And uh, and I really appreciated that that part of it you know he wasn't the the typical character he was he was unique and did go on this fantastic journey over the four episodes um where we got to see him go from not i wouldn't say nervous but just like this like <laughs> this kid who's really ob obsessed with getting good grades being safe kind of doing things perfectly doing things mm -hmm. by the rules um and then realizing that you know you don't it doesn't have to be like that, you know. He can, he can still, I don't know, explore and and you can you can develop help his friends. He and, started out depending completely on the framework supplied to him by others, and right. then as he grew as a character, he built his own framework. Totally, yeah, yeah. And, and what's cool about how they wrote the episodes is we got to hear those changes a lot. I think Marco had a lot of moments where like a lot of self-realization moments <laughs> where they would give him a little chance, you know, a little monologue or something like that for us to see him have this, have these things um, become like him become aware of these things and then talk about it and then be like, Oh, okay. And then move on. You know, it was, it was cool. Well, he was kind of thrown in the deep end of, of planet weird. Oh, he, <laughs> yeah, he, he sure, sure was. was. 
Yeah, that's that he lived up to it. But it's positive masculinity, and uh, you know, yeah. he had a supportive family, and it's a representation of a, a happy Hispanic family on TV, which is always a plus. Totally awesome. Yeah. So you had uh, you had an opportunity with that one to really work with the creators of the show to develop the character. That's got to be every actor's dream. Well, that sounds like a very good atmosphere to work in. It it was the best. I mean, Darren really created, I always say that kind of stuff starts from the top, you know, and just sort of waterfalls down to the bottom. Um, You know, if the person in charge heading up everything is, you know, treating everybody with respect. I mean, a lot of the people who started on the crew um, in the production office the job that they got on Star versus the Forces of Evil was a step up from wherever they were coming from. And so they – it just like the the morale on the crew was just amazing. And even the executives um, on the show who oversaw everything and gave notes on episodes and all of that, they're all incredible people. Um, yeah, it was just – it was such a good atmosphere. It was a total unicorn of a show. So to speak. <laughs> no pun intended, I guess. <laughs> but man, it was, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. In an age where we're hearing about all these toxic showrunners, famous names who turn out to be dreadful heels, this is so refreshing. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was such a good experience. I mean, it definitely, I was spoiled. I was totally spoiled to be a part of something so great. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I always say we did it. We did a, um, a Star versus the Forces of Evil reunion, uh, podcast, uh, not a podcast, like live stream or something. Uh-huh. Um, not too long ago, um, earlier this year, I want to say in February, maybe. Um, and obviously, especially coming off of a year like 2020 where I've been locked in my house and <laughs> haven't been able to see any of my friends face to face. Just like having that reunion and seeing all those people, I'm like, ah, oh, it's my like my family. Hello, guys. Like, how are you? Um, just yeah, some of the directors, Tyler Chen and Brian Kim, who did all the music for Star. Just the talent. Like, I just love these people. I could go on and on. I could tell you about each and every one of them. Uh-huh. Um, the, so yeah, it was it was uh, the atmosphere was was amazing. That sounds like an absolute delight. This is the kind of thing that you... This you, is a story we want to hear. Yeah, this is the stuff that you hear about when you hear about, um, you know, why people want to be a part of the motion picture industry. And what This is the experience people want to have. And you've yeah, been, totally. And you have been blessed with being able to have it. We have been talking to Adam MacArthur, who is currently the voice of the lead character Yuji Itadori in the hit anime series... Jujutsu Kaisen, now streaming on HBO Max and Crunchyroll. And he's also the voice of Marco Diaz on Star vs. the Forces of Evil. And the voice of Disney XD. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Event Horizon here on Sci-Fi.Radio. It's been fun! Thank you guys so much. You have been listening to episode 216 of Sci-Fi.Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for April 17th, 2021. Our guest this evening has been Adam MacArthur, the voice of Yuji Itadori on the anime series Jujutsu Kaisen, and was the voice of Marco Diaz on Disney XD's Star vs. the Forces of Evil. 
This episode will air again on April 18th, 2021, at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, tomorrow afternoon, that's Sunday, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our own website at sci-fi.radio as podcasts. Sci-fi.radio is listener-supported geek culture radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. We are asking you to visit patreon.com slash sci-fi radio and pledge $5 a month to help keep the station on the air. Alternatively, you can visit sci-fi.radio and hit that coffee button and give us a one-time donation. Give the gift of geek music to your friends by helping support the world's only full-time sci-fi fandom radio station. That's patreon.com slash sci-fi radio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by sci-fi illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Nevin. This program is copyright 2021 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on sci-fi.radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.